physical emo- or emotional relate or spiritual and uh yep the other one Welcome, everyone, and pull up a seat at the table. It's lunchtime in Rome. Tonight's episode 202, entitled Very Good Relationships. How are your relationships? How would you describe your closest relationship? That's an I- There's an ideal answer, and we'll be talking about that and how to begin to get there at the table this evening. So pull up a seat at the table and join us. First-time listeners can subscribe on your favorite podcast app or watch us live or later at youtube.com forward slash lunchtime in Rome. Visit us at lunchtimeinrome.com, and while there, you can take our relational needs questionnaire. Make sure to follow us on all social media, and it would be great if you gave us a five-star review. Jay, what's this podcast about? Being alone is the worst. Good times aren't as good, and bad times are worse when you're all alone. Romans 12.15 says to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. That is how you keep people from being alone and what this podcast is all about. We demonstrate that in the first 15 or 20 minutes of the podcast, and we talk about it for the rest. So while it may not be 12.15 in Rome, we're treating it like it is. Lunchtime in Rome! So we've had an incredible stretch of weather. Oh, shh. I don't remember anything like it. Okay. I don't either. And... I feel like we've, uh, at least me, <laughs> I've been taking advantage of it yes. very much. Like, we've done a disc golf trip, which yep. I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit. I've been to Kennywood twice with Maggie. We've been to Brian's Pool twice. Like, we are hitting summer mm. hard right off the bat, and I'm loving it. Yeah. Like, it just feels so good. Maggie's loving the pool, except for the bees. And, uh, <laughs> oh, the bees. Oh, the bees. She's going to hate it when I want to, you know, when I start to, you know, keep the bees uh <laughs> but but don't you remember like two weeks ago we had a stretch of rain and we didn't see the sun for like mm-hmm. a week right yeah and, and it was cold and, and like in the well, 40s and stuff i feel like up until spring we didn't see the sun for like five months like it was a long time like it was a long yeah, winter stretch was there. winter windy, was dreary man not snowy windy, not snowy and yeah. cloudy mm-hmm. yeah just glum but yeah we don't get weather like this no. like where it is like 80 degrees and like 2% humidity. Yeah. But it just feels glorious. The wind blows and you're like, and now I'm cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Instead of wet work, wetter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's been awesome. And we've been having a lot of fun in the sun. And Amy, it, like the outside of our house looks amazing. She's been out there often planting flowers. Love the black mulch. Cleaning Big up. fan of the black mulch. Yeah. It's nice. What There's a wonderful a sight look. it was um, showing up for podcast tonight. And I mean, not only is it the time of year that it's still daylight when we're doing this at at eight thirty, but apparently Maggie's in bed. Yeah, <laughs> your wife is out there, just yeah. in her element, right. still gardening. Got daylight left still after. Still got daylight. Yeah. Maggie's du- uh, bedtime, That's even awesome. though she's in a big girl bed. Yeah, yeah. You still got the camera? Yeah. I want because like, she has down here. She has it there. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I, funny you mentioned the black mulch because you laughed. I'm assuming that you talked to Amy yeah. about it. Well, like, it's one of those things where, like, I used to like red mulch. And then I was like, eh, oh. I don't really like that anymore. And then, you know, I think we, then I wanted to go to black mulch or whatever. And we never did red mulch here. It was at the old house. And now I'm kind of like, I kind of want the dark brown, you know? <laughs> it all looks good. It's, uh, this is 
such a I'm surprised you guys go coverage. bags. Actually, I got to order mine tomorrow, and I'm up to like two scoops. Well, what her, it, like a, two yards. That's the word the cool kids use. Mm-hmm. But her go- her goal is mm-hmm. out there is to not really need the mulch or anything eventually like her goal is to have so much like good stuff in the garden mm. that you, you're not even going to see it like an english garden kind of thing like yeah hey, just growing all together and- everything and if you look at our neighbor becky that's the way hers is like mm. everything in there is good there's not like weeds like it's weeded and it's all like she just wants all plants well wow. oh yeah that's her thing not mine <laughs> well that's why she said you were like how come you didn't get dark mulch or dark brown and i said did you say to him are we outside? <laughs> <laughs> Do you get a vote out here? <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Well, apparently he does because he said, I used to like the red mulch. Then. Well, he's allowed to have an opinion. It go. doesn't trump hers. Well, and I used. Especially post-purchase. I used to lay down the mulch. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> Just so, like you used am to I lay marking down that the one? Law. Am I marking that one? <laughs> I don't even know what we're using it for, but that's going to be a tagline. Let me tell you, well, buddy. Back I used in the to day, lay down the mulch. I used to lay, lay down the mulch. I laid it on thick. Telling Maggie, ah, oh, man, I used to lay down the mulch for your mom. Wow. That's back when Tyler, or when Brian delivered Tyler Mountain Water. I never did that. I never uh, heard of that. I never did that. You know where they like to lay down the mulch? Titusville. Oh, yeah. Mm. That's true. I, I I don't know. Is that a segue? I have nothing to say about Titusville. We've never heard of it. Okay, good. I've never known you not to have anything to say about Titusville. <laughs> I'm going to talk about... Wait, what was the gangs in Titusville? The oh, something the, street weirdos? No, the Wal- no Walnut Street wackos. <laughs> ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean, were? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Dang. Uh, don't go there. If you don't know the handshake, don't go. Oh, man. Now. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, speaking of good weather, we just had Memorial Day weekend. And That's uh, true. and the weather was good. And the weather was good. But no, listen, right, I, Brian, I, we, I had a really great four day weekend that was just so rejuvenating. And as you guys know, it was disc golf uh, those first couple days, Man. Friday and Saturday. Just and we said that was like the purest disc golf trip. Even it was not the longest because it was just a one it you was know overnight sort of a quick thing. But it was we were either disc golfing or sleeping or eating. And that or, was it. Yeah, yeah. fifty four holes. 35,000 steps, 90 floors of elevation change. Wow. We did some stuff. It, it was, was awesome. It was exhausting. One of my favorite awesome. trips we've ever had. And I will honestly say, after lunch, like we were all like dead after that morning round. After lunch, I was like, I, I could do another one. I really think. Oh, sure. If it was, if it was 80 degrees. You mean on the way home? It, yeah. Okay. And 80% yeah. humidity as it has been, or 90%, you know, I mean, our humidity gets up there usually this time of year and for you know until september like i could maybe do like a i would but this was oh yeah the weather city. felt so good yeah and, and then, go ahead no your story well just the and then we got home and still had a weekend you know what i mean mm-hmm. because it was yeah sunday into monday memorial day so hey there's those two days to like let the body heal Rest and, up and went to a friend's house and and hung out at this like amazing pool situation. He means Brian. Uh, it's Brian. That's me. <laughs> Who was very much missed on that disc golf trip. Uh, We're happy to love and support him and not guilt him or anything. Right. I don't want him to feel left out as he doesn't or would. I don't know. Um, but very much missed. But glad you got some time. We talked about you a bit, like in good ways. Oh, mm-hmm. good. Yeah, it was nice to stay home. Um, 
<laughs> I mean, you know me. I, I, I would love to have been on the trip. I, oh, I could have heard you swearing at the trees at Orange Crush. Yeah, probably. Oh, man. Dude, it was... Oh, gosh. I'd like to so think I'm a kinder, trees. gentler disc golfer this year. We'll see. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, I'd like to think I'm a great pianist. I've never done it. <laughs> <laughs> I might not be kinder and gentler to the trees or my discs, but maybe the outbursts won't be as fierce but yeah I, I i just stuck around the house we um and, and home it was prom weekend um ethan went to prom and obviously bella went to um so prom was a big night we had some kids sleep over and then we did kennywood on friday um and i got to catch up on a bunch of stuff on saturday that i'd wanted to do because i wanted to get the pool going for for memorial day to have you guys over and and so I was able to get a lot done. Um, we, I finally got the heater working, which for anybody that doesn't know, I got, we had got a heater last year. Our the word is saga. It's been a saga <laughs> and it's, I'm glad it's finally the end. Um, but our neighbors bought us a heater last year and, and these heaters aren't cheap, like 2,500 bucks for this heater. Mm. <clears throat> and he sprung for it. They sprung for it. Um, cause they like to come over and swim, you know, and we just kind of have that relationship where they and come the normal over. people that don't like cold water. Correct. <laughs> right. I don't mind it so much. Although man with this heater though, like it really, uh, I think I'm, I think my skin's not as thick as it used to be. Ah, uh, you old softy. Yeah. 46 is starting to make me a little softer. Um, I also had a birthday two weeks ago. Um, one of the four I'll have this year. Um, <laughs> just, um, but yeah, I mean, so we got the heater going. It was just, it, and it just felt good to get all that done and, uh, have everybody over. It really was a nice day on Monday. And, uh, it, we, it had been a long time since all of us had been together, um, and, and just kind of hung out like that. So that was really nice. Um, I had some good work things happen today. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. I, I finally was able to get my guy. One of the key components that I've been desperately needing to get him, he started to use it. Um, so that's that's a that's a big deal. That's and a win. It's a big win. You needed a win. That's a big win, and especially then, with him. Correct, correct. And I mean, there's going to be bugs that we still have to work sure. out with, but but at least it's in his hands. He's starting to use it, and it, it just that's a big load off my shoulders. <sighs> that's huge. Yeah, and then I also was part of a an investor meeting. Um, so my, my company's looking to raise money. The owner of the company's looking to raise money for this entire business line. Um, and it went really well. I mean, looking to raise like 1.2 million. And I, it was just, it was nice to be a part of that meeting and to, as telling Eric right before we started, to not feel anxiety. Like it's just, I get in and I just talk about what I know in my life and the things I've done. Um, and, and so, that was it was a really really positive day. I woke. I was telling Eric too. I woke up this morning, um, five forty five, and just woke up with the sun and no alarms or anything like that. No four year olds uh, that you can't put on pause, um, and just had a had a good morning. And um, yeah, it's been a good day. I hear the music in my head, and I envision you just like sitting up in bed and stretching and a big grin. <laughs> no, on your I was face. on the couch because I got. Um, oh boy. Oh boy. Uh, about two in the morning, two thirty in the morning, I, I feel like this poking on my face. And it's your neighbor. Yeah, yeah, it's Keith. He's like, "Why isn't the heater on?" <laughs> no, he's, he's asking to stop snoring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I th I've got it a lot more under control, but not last night. And so Lex was poking me in my face, and rather, <laughs> rather than I was just like, "Look, I, I'm just gonna go to the couch." Uh, I don't know what you're saying, Lex. I'm not snoring. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I went to the couch. That's where I woke up, and it, it wasn't the it wasn't like the Disney wake up and there's music playing. It's animals it, tending. It was to definitely you. more like, oh, but okay. It, there's no alarm. I'm good. I yeah. can, I can do this. Because uh, I want to get up and make bacon for Ethan. Ethan eats bacon every morning. And if I don't have it made the night before, or we haven't made a bunch and we're out, I feel bad not giving the kid bacon before school. Because then I give him bacon and drive him to school. Respect. 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 I just saw it in the shield. Hmm. Uh, oh, God. Shield update. Let's <laughs> go ahead and mark that. <laughs> the um, Very briefly on the disc golf trip. Uh, you guys know that Eric bought me the uh, Power Disc Golf Academy curriculum and for and Amy. Uh, pardon me. Uh, never Ooh. once given her credit for that. Paul Yellowberry and Maggie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I've been practicing and it's been hurting my back because now I'm apparently throwing correctly and everything else. And the disc golf trip was really big. A that I that my back didn't really hurt. I mean, it was a little sore, but whatever. Mm-hmm. But that I played very well. And not only did I play very well, but like I putted well, which I've been working a lot of my putting, and I was throwing it incredibly further than I've ever thrown before. I mean, yeah. you were there at, um, yeah, Seth Burton. Seth Burton. I remember, I remember right. the drive that you're talking about. Well, there are a few, but or at the, least I've got one in my head. I right. was like, the that's that, not going to ever stop where the girls were <laughs> kicking the soccer ball across the street. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was like 375, maybe, maybe 380. <sighs> maybe. You're saying you feel yeah. like you're, you're getting like maybe an extra 75 feet. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it's great. just, and I can it's trust huge. it and it's going there and it's like, okay, I mean, I love the sport no matter what, but I put a lot of time into it it's and showing. it's paying off. Yeah. Have it's you cool. adapted your driving, your driver discs to the new form that you have? Mm. Yo, like, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, everything I have. Um, yeah. So that was just exciting. So that's that. Last week I gave the update on everything else that's been going on. Um, and what's, you know, so there was a death. My mother passed away. But now this week. Uh, we celebrate life in our household as there have been five new births, if not six. Wow. I, this I, I, this is going to take a turn. I don't know what, what's happening. Four baby groundhogs. Uh, so not in the house. That's good. Not yet. No, I'm just kidding. No. On our household, in our property. Um which happens every spring, and it's just fun. And like they come out super tiny and climbing all over mom, and mom kind of bats them off. Baby groundhog. Every year. Huh. They get to about where they are. You know, in a week, they get kind of almost normal-sized. And it's funny because, like, a they week? learn their boundaries. Like, I'll see them on the driveway where I never see the adult groundhogs mm-hmm. on the driveway. And they just look at me and they run away. And, and <laughs> they we'll don't just, know that they're not allowed to be there yet. Well, no, they just get scared. And, <laughs> like, they'll be – they come out of the hole by the shed. And they'll just be climbing all over top of mom. And mom just kind of bats them off. And they go rolling <laughs> over. Or they'll play slash fight with each other. And so it's kind of like the best way to have a pet because I don't have to feed them. I don't have to do anything. And then they're gone. And then today, my neighbor John called, who is the great neighbor, retired guy that I've borrowed every one of his tools once and broken them, and he <laughs> refuses that I to ever replace them. And he doesn't call that often, but he called. He wanted to talk to me about something. And so, of course, and again, on the home phone, I had just made the statement in my head that I want to make my answering machine message. Everyone who calls me on my home phone that I know is dead. <laughs> so call me on my cell phone and if you don't have my cell phone don't call me i really want to leave that as my voicemail message <laughs> i didn't even know you had a home phone and I an do. answer and an answer oh machine. yeah wow yeah and we try to get rid of it but it, it makes everything else more expensive with verizon so it was just like well, we'll just keep That's it plus I get you. the number mom knew but john uh, called and he said hey i have something to tell you and i immediately go to he's dying his wife's dead what and it was that there was a baby deer 
in the weeds behind my backyard. Oh yeah. And it was laying down and that I should know that it's there not to bother it. Right. He goes, you know, you know, he's so he's like, I know you know this Jay, but I just didn't want you to startle it and have it run away. And you know, hopefully the, the mom will come back and whatever else. And I could barely see it. And I was going to go trim the hedges down there. Hmm. And so it was a little baby deer. And then by this evening it was up running around with its mom. There you go. And maybe it's hmm. cousin. Cause there was another baby. Got a lot of wildlife in penthouse, dude. We do. I mean, our like Hunter said last year when he was working on our deck, mm-hmm. as compared to working on your deck, right? Huntsman Projects, shout out. Um, that he lives in Plum on the border of the forest, basically, and in the time that he was building our deck, he saw more wildlife mm-hmm. than he's ever seen in his backyard. We have had a family of deer, so we've been in our house twenty one years now, and there's been a family of like generation upon generation of deers. <laughs> Coming and their children <laughs> and, and their, their children, children. children. And, and their, their children. children. <laughs> but yeah, they we always have. I mean, sometimes I'll see six and seven of them just in my backyard. We've I've seen turkeys and coming through the yard. I've never seen a fox. Never seen a coyote. I've well, seen a fox. I have heard the coyotes because we have that like you know space behind our house right. with like a bunch of land meets. But yeah, yeah, I I made the joke to Tommy. What you know, one time you come to my backyard and and hunt. You yeah. know, he rolled his eyes and I'm like. No, seriously. I'm talking like 19 at a time. <laughs> like, I'm not talking like, yeah, there's a family of four. I'm talking like you can close your eyes, fire an arrow, and you're eating that night. <clears throat> well, I think it is hilarious that they'll drive an hour, hour and 15 minutes to go deer hunting. I'm like, they're, they're all over well, the place. Yeah. Why don't they just go up to the church and, and all our land? Like for bow, I guess if they want to actually shoot one. Right, yeah. right, right, right. They, yeah. Um, they'll do bow hunting have, up there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it's what? No, please. I didn't you can want to interrupt. Hunt. You but, can uh, go hunt in Penn Hills. Right. Bow mm-hmm. hunting. Mm-hmm. Okay. So on, speaking of the church land, I was up throwing, di- this was, I don't know, a week ago. And there is a tent or was a tent. Uh, it's a blind. It's, yeah, over on the pipeline. Yeah. Yeah. It's my brother's. Okay. It's for bow season. But nobody hunts on our property. And no. also speaking of the church, you guys did a bunch of work on a, a certain tea or a certain basket. We did. Oh, yeah. We did. Uh, yeah, we did have some vandalism. we pretty sure who it was. And so we offered, uh, we reached out to that family and said, you know, we don't want money for it. We'd love to teach you how to respect the course and uh, play the game. And if nothing else, please don't destroy any more of our stuff. Right. And it was on a Wednesday, so it could be happening right now. And I saw them yesterday, by the mm. way, the two kids, Yeah, when I was going back and forth between the church and the house for different things. And they were walking along Jefferson, so I just kept going back and forth, like to see where they were going. Yeah. And God bless them. They, they should have been paranoid. There's a number of times I went back and forth. They never noticed me. <laughs> you rolled, of, you rolled yeah. past them in like this this old van. A lot of like red cars. And yeah. And so I eventually just stayed in the exit of our property, waiting for them to see if they came over the hill. And then you pulled in for worship practice, and then I went one more time and I lost them. Mm. But the point is, we repaired it I with blew it. a big pipe. Uh, it looks end. awesome, though. I mean, it's yeah. better than it was. And uh, filled it up with some concrete. Well, actually, not that I want to do that again. No, we're good on that. <laughs> Move the camera. So now everybody who's listening, if you're thinking of damaging our disc golf course, everything is under camera. Any any of, response from the family not as yet. of yet? Okay. So I hope there is. I mean, that I just that'd be very, I like communication. That'd be, that'd be very good, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And that is something we're going to talk about this week and next week and whenever we don't, whenever we're not talking about postpartum depression for probably the next several weeks. You know, if you ask people, how are your relationships or how's your marriage? When I meet with a couple for pre-marriage teaching, crap, I got to call somebody back. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's only been today. It's fine. Oh, that's fine. But um, the first question I uh, first part of their first homework is to ask every married couple. And I encourage everybody here at the table 
everybody, uh, literally and figuratively, at the table to ask people in their lives, hey, how's your marriage? And mm-hmm. just shut up. Don't go on everything else and just listen to the answer. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think out of the 35 to 40 marriages I've done, I don't know that I've ever had somebody come back and say, oh, I asked so-and-so. And they said, very good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Fine. It's all right. It's good. Good. It's, we're working on it. You know, yeah. better than most. Right. Doing okay. We're making it. You know, there's ups Old and downs. Ball and chain. <laughs> yeah, you get the negatives. Happy wife, Don't happy life. Get I me hate that stuff. Started. I hate I that. Hate that. Hey, happy, happy wife, wife happy, happy life. life. We should do an entire podcast on that. Ugh. No, but that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Chris is like, Don't get me started. <laughs> Chris is like, well, at least I'm not saying it doesn't versus yeah, true. I'm not saying it doesn't impact you. If your happiness we go. is hinged <laughs> to another being. Never mind. I'll stop. <laughs> go finish it. People are on their head. Like, That's fine. That's what? worth talking yeah. about. We're oh, talking yeah. about your it. happiness and your contentment and your evaluation of your marriage is contingent on another person who may or may not be what, and this is not a at, directly at Amy, but who may or may not be wildly going through things like that's, it's like building a sandcastle next to the ocean. That's how I describe it. Happy wife, happy life. You're building a sandcastle next to the ocean. You're trying to base your well-being on a volatile person and you are losing respect for yourself. And I'll, I could go on, but is the opposite though true? Happy life, happy wife. No, unhappy wife. <laughs> <laughs> unhappy wife. No, because you can just unhappy be like, F life. you. F you, I'm gonna be happy no matter what. I don't care if you're not happy. Well, how <laughs> how is that healthy though? Oh, I'm not saying either. It's healthy. <laughs> We're not talking about healthy. We're just saying is it true? Uh, right, right, right. No, I will say like if Amy's going through something, I will feel like anxious about it. You're going something. to feel right. The weight of your partner, but it's not the right. struggles. No, you should never make that right, the barometer. Right, right, right. No, and I would, I would say this goes back to how I had to come to grips two to three years ago with Rachel going to work, and she was not happy. Like she, she was committed to it. She was, you know, she found worth and calling in her job. She came home toast every day. I had to come to grips with my wife is unhappy, not with me, but with work, and mm-hmm. I can't fix it. Right. And I'm not going to walk around all moody. Like I would, I would comfort her as much as she wanted, which was minimal, and then leave her go, which is what she wanted, and then move along. Mm-hmm. So I had unhappy wife, but I had happy life. Mm-hmm. I just want to do a brief step aside. You mentioned building your house, saying castles next to the ocean, right? During my mom's funeral, the priest was talking, and it was going a little long, and it was going a little long, and then he said, "And it's like the man who built his house on sand." And in my head, I went, "Oh crap." He's still got to go over the man that built his house out of sticks and then the man that built his house out of stone. This is going to take forever. (laughs) And then the big bad wolf comes and tries to blow all of them down. And it was a few minutes before I was like, oh, no, that's not scripture. That's the the three little things. Sweet. We might get out of this sooner than later. (laughs) That's the kind of grieving I do in in a Catholic mass for my mother. Oh, my gosh. So we want to look at the fact that when God created everything, he said it was good. Everything. The birds, the animals, the, the earth, the water, the expanse over the two, bing, bang, and boom. They were all good. Mm-hmm. But when he made Adam, it was not good. And again, I don't care if you believe in a seven-day creation. I don't care even if you think that Genesis is just a story and an illustration. It was written 
And so even if you don't believe that it was factual, it was written as such that when he created Adam, it was not good. Why? Because he was alone. But once he created a relationship, he created Eve, the match for Adam, it was very good. And so the significant thing is that's, A, how important relationships are. That was God's first solution to his first problem, Mm -hmm. air quotes, on earth. But that the goal of every relationship is very good. And we went over it on April 19th, no, April 14th, somewhere in there, of 2019. It's the only time we've really Mm -hmm. touched on this topic. And like we've done with the emotional needs, we took deep dives into each individual emotional need. So we're going to take a deep dive into what does a very good relationship look like. And we're going to start kind of by looking at the need. Do we need to talk about Dan Leopold? You know what? Here's a very good relationship. Hmm. The one that I have with Dan Leopold. And the reason why we're bringing up Dan Leopold, and I would say he has a very good relationship. Uh, I don't see he and his wife very often. We want to point him out because we did not mention him as a regular at the table on our 200th episode. But I am going to share with you guys. And we should have. He sent me a bottle of whiskey. He did. And we shared his Christmas list every year. Mm -hmm. Birthday list. I've had hot dogs with him. (laughs) Mm -hmm. What more do you want? He wrote to me Sunday evening. The sympathy card. Did I share this with you guys? Hmm. The sympathy card for your mom is going to arrive in maybe 40 days. (laughs) (laughs) I need something to happen. (laughs) Then I'm going to try something and hopefully include that in the card. (laughs) Hope you are well. If there is a silver mixing spoon that no one has dibs on, grab it for me. I'll add it to my collection and it will be the Mitlow spoon. Yes, I have spoons from people that I care about that are in heaven now. Their spirits help me mix stuff. Wow. He does have some spoons there. And I shared it it with my family. And like Marilyn was like, I mean... The, the spoon thing is cute and all, but like, I really want to know what he's doing. <laughs> like, right? why is it going to take 40 days? What's And I said, he's like, probably setting something into space. Right. He does what that planetary needs thing needs to happen in space for, for this. Yeah, I get it. That's, that's a, cool. That's a great text. I hope you save that. <laughs> I got a million of them. In that's about what he's good 40 for. days. <laughs> I still got to get him. He wants one of the bricks from Verona Road heading yeah. up to St. Joe's. I and we can't one of those. give him one of mine because he'll figure it out. No. He would, he would know. He'd smell it, touch it, <laughs> lick it. He'd say, that's not Verona. It's not even Verona Road. It's Front Street, First Street, Second Street. Yeah. I second, think I second. Think. Second yeah. Avenue. But let's talk about the history of divorce. <laughs> <laughs> You know, speaking of rocky uh, roads, smooth. America has been divorcing of itself bumpy of roads. brick roads. Yeah. Yes. Bumpy, now, we roads. want to take a look at, you know, there are a lot of bad relationships out there. And is that something new? Is that, you know, people say, oh, people don't stay together like they used to and everything else. So we took a mini deep dive and we want to share it with you of divorce rates in the last hundred years. And we won't spend forever on it, but we're going to spend some time on it and look at what were the reasons why there were either more or less divorces each decade. So the guide for this evening is the divorce rates. We're going to start in um, last hundred years. We're going to start in the thirties, 1930s, 1930s, not the 20s. Not the, that hasn't happened yet. We can't predict that in the 1830s. It doesn't apply. It doesn't matter. Well, the trend thus far in history has been for the divorce rate to increase. This isn't quite the case with the thirties due to the depression in the thirties. Many couples stayed together because they couldn't afford the aftermath of divorce. It wasn't until the unemployment rate went down that in, that the increasing divorce rate trend continued. Unemployment was at its highest in 1933, and as the unemployment rate declined through the late 30s, the divorce rate increased. 1930, uh, 16%. 
Isn't it interesting? The more money you have, the more divorces there are. Mm-hmm. I find it interesting that, like, you can't. It was. <laughs> it's cheaper to keep her, right? Well, like, it, I like that one better well, than happy life, happy wife. <laughs> I tell you that one. And and I'm gonna paraphrase this, and I'm not sure if this is true back in the 30s because uh, I wasn't there, but in America, the way some. Uh, court systems work or individuals work, judges and whatnot, you could be okay splitting everything 50-50 with your spouse. And you're like, yep, here's we wrote it down all on paper and like that's fine. And the judge will say, no, you need to hire a lawyer to go through all the motions and get all the things you know down. Mm-hmm. And you can be like, no, we're good. Like, nope, you got to get a lawyer and you got to spend a ton of money right. to on lawyers and get, and then you're in the courtroom and then you're paying all these fees and like, you're just spending so much money to go through what could have been something simple and still tragic, but like something that does, you don't have to go through all this red tape and make it even worse than it is, you know? And right. Traditionally it was a lot harder to divorce than it is today. Yeah. And and And, we'll get to some of the reasons for that ahead of um, down the line. But like you said, Chris, cheaper to keep her, but one of the things that this makes me think about is you stayed married because it was convenient for mm-hmm. an end goal. And I often think about that. How many couples continue to stay married because it's more convenient to do that to accomplish a goal rather than because it's very good for them and no. it's because mm-hmm. what they want. Right. You know what I mean? Um and I, I, I think there's a lot of couples that just say, you know what, we're just going to run out the clock with each other because uh, just be messier if we don't. And that ticks me off. And you know what else ticks me off? What, a tick really? on my thigh. Oh, <gasps> Is yeah. that what happened? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my I was like, oh, goodness. that's itchy, but I have two mosquito bites. And I looked and I'm like, oh, that's a tick. So uh, I went into your bathroom to see if you had any alcohol to sweat it out. But I yeah. just, no, but yeah, it's my jacorazon. So I put it on there and make him suck on that. Oh, yeah, you yeah. mean he's, he's, he's on there? Oh, he's there right now. Oh, I'm sorry, dude. I'm going to pull through. How about um, 16% though? I mean, I mean, it's, uh, certainly by today's standards or, well, I shouldn't say that by the standards we grew up with always you know, hearing like, well, divorce rate is about 50%, 16% in 1930. That's pretty low. However, in the forties, they saw a distinctive spike in divorce rates uh, right after world war two. Again, <laughs> just stop right there. Hey, right, we won the war. Yeah, it's over. Goodbye. <laughs> Some have suggested this many families uh, were strained under the burden of living with a man who may have been mm. inca- incapacitated during a war trauma, or that many women had a newfound freedom in working and didn't want to give that up. Regardless, the spike in statistics suggests that the end of the war definitely put a strain on family life. Wow. The uh, end of the war. Like, yeah. Hey, he's gone. He's overseas. <clears throat> we're going to, we're, we're still together. Oh, he comes home. All right. Goodbye. Well, yeah. I mean, and this is all, speculation and they say that in this statement too like that well some some suggest you know but the idea that okay wars happen and we're all pulling together right and so nobody's divorcing somebody who's overseas fighting cheating on them oh that i'm sure they're not divorcing yeah, right and that's and, cold-blooded and everybody's working at home what's the name of the what's the the character the, the league fe- of their own no female character that like Oh, yep. um, you know yep. what I'm talking Steamboat about. Steamboat Sally. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
Riveter. Well, the factory worker. Oh, Ru- Rudy yeah. the Riveter. I, I know. Yeah, no, no, something like so, that. Something like it's that. Not it's, Rudy. It's, it's Riveter. Rosie. 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 Yeah, Rosie the Riveter. You know, so people were Rosie the Riveter and, and doing that. And then the guys come home and it's, it's a, you know, an amazing celebration. Hey, we won the war. But there's no doubt that it, you know, it was an upheaval in life. Well, and, you know, not to, I'm not justifying anything because, you know, when you get married, you know, it's through thick and thin. But, like, they come home a different person. Mm. Yeah. Certainly. Like back PTSD. then. Well, and by, and back then, PTSD was shell shock. That's right. what it was called. And the women you know? had become different people at home. Well, you know what I mean? Like, it like it's all. Yeah. yeah it's, Everybody was so different in that short period of time. Like, just crazy. It's so funny because I think of. Sorry. No, please. I think of um, or had thought of post-war time as like this. Celebration, yeah, like glorious, like you, like you envision, like oh, the, the ticker tape parade and the the, the woman kissing the sailor, yeah, and, the the, and right. the, well, and that was the the baby boomers, like mm. everybody's starting a family and right. moving to the suburbs and uh, you know that sort of thing. Yeah, butterfly effect is pretty bad. Well, and I think also the, um, like you said, Chris, you know, you can get you you get through something. You know, we, right. we we hold it together, and then once again, here comes the good times. Hey, we got through the depression. Okay, now that's over. Divorce divorce rates go up. Okay, we got through World War II. Then divorce rates go up, and it shows you that you didn't get through it because you had a very good relationship. Right, you were committed to getting through it, or other things were taking precedence during the time. But what about the Cunninghams? Well, did we mention? That it was we the rate. Were, we no. went from sixteen yeah. percent in the thirties to forty three percent in the forties, which is quite the jump. That's intense. Big jump. Who are the Cunninghams? In the fifties. Oh, like happy days. Yeah. Nice. They stayed together. So fifties and sixties. Um so the fifties saw a decrease in divorce. Um and you know, this <laughs> this is I don't know. I know. My perspective of the fifties is all like old TV shows, like oh, leave it to Beaver. leave it to, exactly. Uh, I, think, like, I think like the scene in the Back to the Future where he he goes back in you know to nineteen fifty five. Yeah, he, he walks into Hill Valley for yeah. the first time, Mister Sin, Sin. You know, people <laughs> yeah. are like out like changing everybody's, the car tires. And, yeah, everybody's happy. Nobody's Andy, except divorced. for except for Biff. Oh yeah, Biff well, was never happy. Was Andy never Griffin happy. show. Oh, I love the Andy Griffin show. Well, like for me, it's closer to the year two thousand right now than. When I was born was to 1950. Mm-hmm. Like that blows my mind. Mm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, mm. But the rate decreased, remained relatively steady until I guess in 1967, divorce laws began to change. But in the 50s, it was 21%. For most of the 60s, it was still in the 20s, around 26%. Why don't you take us into the 70s? Okay. Well, here we go. Divorce rates jump in the 1970s. So they continue to rise, taking a big jump in the 70s. This may have been because, for the first time, couples have the option of a no-fault divorce. Now, does that surprise you? I'd have to think about what that is. I'm not even sure. Yeah, I don't know what that means. Well, I think it actually says that. Keep reading. I'm going to keep going. It was also the first time a spouse could cite irreconcilable differences as the reason for the divorce making it much easier to obtain. So there didn't need to be... Keep reading. (laughs) (laughs) 
It explains. Okay. Prior to this point, anyone wanting to end their marriage had to prove adultery or cruelty in the marriage. That would be the fault. So when it changed, it was you don't have to prove those things anymore. You can just say uh, irreconcilable differences. I don't like you. And so a lot of Hmm. this, you know, we would be remiss if we didn't point out, you know, women weren't working as much. A lot of women stayed in the home. And so they didn't have the financial means Mm -hmm. to get divorced. And so therefore the marriage rates were higher. Mm -hmm. And then so here you go no fault and, you know, you can have irreconcilable differences. So it became really a women's rights issue Mm -hmm. along with more more women in the workplace. And the numbers begin to turn into, again, what what we grew up with. I say we because, I mean, we all did grow up in in a similar era, but I assume you guys – also heard the whole, you know, just grew up with, well, 50% divorce rate, 50% divorce rate. No, I distinctly remember that because like I had, you know, I grew up born in 1971. So I'm in elementary school through the seventies, you know, in well, the end of the seventies into the early eighties. And I remember, oh, so-and-so's parents got divorced. Oh, so -so." like it started happening more and more and more. And you're just like, oh, they're one of those kids. Like it was, it became Mm. the topic. Yeah. And, um, then 1983, when my dad does his midlife crisis thing, when I was going 12 years old, yeah, going into seventh grade and I was like, Oh, I'm one of those kids, you mm-hmm. know? And it was just, it was, I became one of the half of the kids that I knew. They never officially got divorced. They did, but they, oh. they, he moved in and out from 1983 to 1988 when he moved back in for good. They moved to Florida in 19, uh, January of 88. He moved back in. I'm doing it based on my what year of high school I was in. December of that year, which was December of my senior year, 88, they moved to Florida. Mm-hmm. And then they got divorced, I believe, in 92 when he was having his, at least as much as we know, second affair. So, and then they were divorced. They divorced, really? in, they divorced in 92, 93. Okay. And that's when mom moved back up here. Your parents moved to Florida while you were here? Yeah, my senior year of high school. Interesting. What did you do? I don't I, know this part of your history. Uh, for about a week and a half, I lived with Marilyn and Bob in the house I grew up in because they bought it from my parents when my parents moved. And that wasn't working. So then I moved in with Uncle Rick. Huh. Mm. Well, wow. that being the case, um, yeah, it was more and more. We heard about it more and more often. And yeah, on the one hand, it was for women's rights. But... Um, it just became much more prevalent. And that number, 53%. Yeah. That's the highest. In 1979. Yeah. And then in the 80s, it remained high, reflecting the changing lifestyles and the changing divorce laws. So things are evolving and continuing to change. However, the statistics did level off slightly, even starting to lower at the end of the decade. Um, it's saying 1989, 47%. So I wonder. I wonder if like the whole... The yuppies and the whole, you know, uh, the because America kind of entered an age of uh, abundance. Like when I think of the '80s, you know, I think of like Top Gun and and Wall Street and cocaine. I was going to say cocaine, <laughs> um, <laughs> but there was a, there was a general feeling of okay, we're pretty good here um, at this point in time. I don't know. Well, it begins a downward trend. And then we will talk about that next, why there is a downward trend. In the 90s. Yep. 
So while divorces peaked during the 80s, rates declined in the late 90s. While this has been attributed to many factors like birth control and marriages later in life, the statistics from the U.S. Census in 2011 show that the rates may show the rates making a steady downward trend. Mm-hmm. And so as of 1999, it was 41 percent. All the way up to 2020, it was 15 percent. That's an interesting stat right there. Like everybody's stuck inside together, of course. So nobody's like, well. That was the perfect time to go file for divorce. Except you couldn't. Except you couldn't. Oh, did they? The courts so, were closed. Oh, right. Okay. So and it's, right. it's saying in 2021, it was 20%. So what, 5% in a year. But why? Um, well, why did it go? Why did it was a steady far. decline? Yeah. And there's several reasons, and I think they're brilliant. Yeah. Uh, more couples are opting for cohabit- cohabitation without legal marriage. Oh, Okay. Millennials are waiting longer to get married than previous generations. Like that's very true. And I see, I see like kids around, you know, Ethan's friend group that don't want to get their license, like their driver's license. <laughs> that's you know such a I, good point. You know what I mean? Like, I've, wait, well, I, have a I don't want to get my that. driver's license. I don't really want to get married because that's a big commitment. Um, I have so much to say. Higher, I'd like to know. Sorry, before we move on from a, that, I'd like to know how many of these. Like, let's take that. 41 percent in 1999 like how many of those are within the first few years of marriage and like you're talking about you know um millennials waiting longer to get married so if there are fewer young people getting married does that mean there are fewer young people divorces because i i would guess i don't know the stats that a lot of divorces happen in the first few years I read a stat about it when I was doing research for this. And yeah, I mean, it is in the first few years. The stat that is hilarious, I don't even know if I said this for later in the podcast or not. And by hilarious, I mean so sad, is like if you get married a second time, like the divorce rate is 65%. And if it's the third time, it's like 75%. I would have totally guessed the opposite. You continue to repeat the patterns. You're just doing it now with a different person who has their own patterns. Um, and I and I and I give people the benefit of the doubt. Shame on me. Sometimes, <laughs> not all the time. <laughs> like you. Higher education levels for women correlate with longer lasting marriages. Now that huh. I find to be interesting. That is interesting because, yeah, I don't I don't know why. Because you think if you go back to the forties, fifties, sixties, as more women started to work, that gave them the ability to get divorced. So now they have higher education, so they. Stay married. Fireworks. Higher education correlate with longer lasting marriages. So it doesn't necessarily causate. Right. Exactly. (laughs) But they're trending in the same direction together. But it could also mean now if you want to look again at very good relationships, if the husband has higher education and the wife has higher education, well, there's they're much easier to to meet each other's needs. They have more in common. Mm-hmm. Mutually giving, not to give a spoiler alert, is easier to do. And, and there's probably a level of comfort that would be hard to give up. You know, you have two highly higher educated people that are probably earning more. And so you, you, you develop the lifestyle that you become very accustomed to. And again, I would say, are you staying together because you're, hey, I'm, we're really smart and, and really know what we're talking about with marriage? Or have you just crafted a lifestyle that's like, this is pretty good having all this material stuff. Well, another thing is I'm, I'm 
you're tailing off. Yes, I don't want to step on your desk. The, the, that's kind of the thought. Like, it's, it's pretty good because we have all this material stuff. Why upset the apple cart? Right. I don't know if that's the case. I hear what I you're saying. Either. Because I think people get more and more selfish. And I have to have mine and I have to seek my happiness and I have to. But I think that's the case in some. But what I was going to point out um, is gone from my brain at this time. <laughs> Sorry. So we could go the fact that not all separated couples file for legal divorce. Yeah. So that's sort of what. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Let's stick with that for a minute. That, hey, it's just easier. I don't want to have to go through this. You know, it has been pointed out in a lot of the places I've, like different podcasts and stuff like that, different TV shows. Dr. Phil has said it, that the divorce proceedings, the divorce legal profession is a complete racket. Mm -hmm. You know, with the judges and the attorneys, the only one who wins in a divorce are the attorneys. Yeah. And that was so, the point I was making before. Okay. Yeah. And so, you know, I think some people have gamed the system. Like, yeah, we don't live together. We have other boyfriends and girlfriends. We're just not going through the divorce. Mm -hmm. You know, it's amicable. It's easier to keep the, the finances. The thing I was going to bring up one that I forgot, which I've since remembered. I wonder, like, with the change in lifestyles, with the more permissive society in which we live, mm -hmm. like, open marriages is a thing. Mm -hmm. And so... I wonder how many of people who are not with their spouse, you know, because open marriages are not very good relationships. Let me be very clear. And by open marriages, I mean you can have multiple partners, but you still only have one husband and one wife. Mm -hmm. Blows my mind anytime I see a special or a TV show about that. To be very clear, that does not make it a very good relationship. But I wonder if those are the kind of people that aren't getting divorced as often. Like half of those end up in murder cases, but that's also <laughs> the only thing Rachel watches. But... <laughs> Uh, lastly, on the coronavirus pe pandemic. That's delayed proceeding, divorce proceedings across the nation re in recent years. Yeah. So, hey, the p divorce rate's down. Yeah, we couldn't get into court. It's cancer rate's up. Anyways. Because, yeah, like people just stopped being able to or being willing to go to a place to 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 do the things that they need or want to do. So, um, you know, you can't go down to the courthouse to file that paperwork. You know, people were skipping their health screenings because they couldn't go into the office. So, you know, it it did um, delay a lot of delay things. a lot of. But things. It, it didn't mean, hey, man, during twenty twenty, man, relationships are great. <laughs> they, were, they were just really everybody figured it out. You know, <sighs> what I want yeah, to talk about well, just for a minute is um, living together before marriage. You know, they they cite that that couples are opting for cohabitation without legal marriage. Or the fact, well, the one thing we left out was divorce rates are down, but marriage rates are even further down. Fewer people are even getting married. So there's less divorces, yeah, but there's mm -hmm. even fewer marriages. Cohabitation sounds like just such a cold word, <laughs> you know. We're cohabiting together. You know, honey, I was thinking maybe it's time to take the next step. Let's cohabitate. Yeah. Cohabitate. It's not sexy at They're all. Like, get out. <laughs> yeah, no. right. Hey, let's go live together. <laughs> but I've heard that a lot as far as, hey, it's marriage practice. You know, you can live together. And so they even cite that while they say that people are cohabitating without being married. But is cohabitation before marriage, which, I mean, if I refuse to marry somebody because they were living with their spouse, my marriage record would be like two and one. I mean, everybody lives together now mm -hmm. before they get married. Mm -hmm. So does that make, does that set you up for a very good relationship is a question I have for the table. Hmm. I think it can. Yeah. I mean, it's raw. Like if you're doing it, you're, you're seeing all the flaws, you know, you have that time and that, that 
track record to be able to really figure out um, this really grinds my gears. I don't want to, I don't want any part of this. However, in like, as we, as we within a God given beautiful design, kind of a perspective of it, if God's bringing you together and you get to open a gift, you get to together explore a part of a journey. And if God's at the center of it and it is very good, regardless of those things that you're maybe looking for on the surface as the world does, those are the things that God can use to say, this is my beautiful design and I'm using part of this to bring you closer to me, which is going to bring you closer to each other. I got lost at the end. Was that evidence that it is good to live together before you're married? Or I'm saying, not if, to? I'm saying uh, there's there's a couple different levels to look at it. If you're if you're looking at it from to me, if you're looking at it from a really faith based perspective, okay. God God is putting us together. We know that this is a God thing, okay. right? Um, and in that, there's a beautiful design to that. And in that beautiful design, we can learn to grow co- closer to God and closer to each other through the struggles and trials we may have. So before we're married, before we're married, and then after we get married, you're able to walk that out, right? You're able to draw closer to God because you're finding out things in uh, after you're married that if you were living together be- before you were married, you would have found that out and said, you know what? I'm out of here. And because, okay, so <laughs> if if you're looking at it just from a world perspective, we're going to live together and find out all the flaws. And if if you're not, if you don't have God as the center of that relationship, it's easy to go, you know what, we're just going to let this go. Or we're going to jump into this and on this level, we, we know that we can live with each other, right? But then as Christians we believe that there's a beautiful design, right? We believe that God has an order to things. And so one of the cohesive things that God can do, if you're putting your trust in him with your marriage, with your relationship, you're not going to find out all that stuff intimately that you would, if you were just living together before you were married. Right. So you get into it, you, and then you find out all, all that intimate stuff. Some of it you like, some of it you don't. But at that point, because you're centered on God in a faith-based way, you can use that to bring you closer to God and closer to each other because you're committed. It's, a, it's an opportunity to grow together and not get lost and not just write it off is what I'm saying. But to answer your question, I think on the world level, yes, it can be a good thing to live together before you're married. Okay. Do you know... Do you, yeah, I mean, basically, because I I, I'm I, on the same page as you. I, I don't mean I, to be disrespectful at all. Right. I'm just trying to go ahead to to dumb it down for me. <laughs> like f- for me, like if if you're if you're a Christian, you believe in God, you it doesn't matter. Like you shouldn't it, like living together before you're married shouldn't matter to you guys after because like you're going to work through it like you have a sense of like a marriage is extremely important and um you'll work it out because you have a you a reliance you, on god right reliance on god and belief in a higher power and if you're looking like you said brian like from a worldly perspective like yeah like it's it's your 
it's your opportunity if you're looking but, at it from purely from a worldly perspective if you if you you can look at it as an opportunity to see yeah this is going to work or this is not let's kick the tires if it right. doesn't work we part ways and there's no harm no foul right now i don't think that's as beautiful as like working through the bad you know or the the hard things or the or the, or the whatever and like making your relationship stronger like you said brian um, cause like those things, like, you know, Amy, you know, I, I, we've had to make adjustments, you know, after we started living together, like, I don't know anybody that, who hasn't, you know, um, but we're better for it. <clears throat> I'll take it in a slightly different direction. I, I would say that my answer to that question, does living together before marriage help a few years ago would have been absolutely Yes. Um, for the same reason you guys are saying about like, well, you just, you, you get to know each other better that way. And I mean, obviously getting to know each other is, is an important thing in a relationship. The thing that has changed in my mind, and I'm not, I'm not even saying that I, you know, the living together before marriage is bad. That's not my point, it, but that just the relational needs, the emotional needs of, of, um, <clears throat> My experience learning about relational, emotional needs has helped, and, and Amy's too, like it's helped our relationship and we've been married and living together for over 20 years. You know what I mean? Like it's it's been a long time. But I guess my point is that whether you're living together before marriage or not, I think the most important thing is, is your mindset and whether that's... Um, a spiritual mindset where you're going into it saying, okay, well, we're, we're making a commitment before God. And so we're going to, you know, stick through the, you know, through the thick and thin, um, or you're going into it, or I guess even better, additionally, you're going into it with, okay, I'm not going to be selfish in this relationship. I'm going to think about what my, spouse's needs are or at that time it could be you know if it's before marriage girlfriend boyfriend's needs like i I just think that's a very important aspect of it you know like does the living together help right yours is more the focus where's the focus and the intent Mm -hmm. yeah and and brian again i don't want to be disrespectful what i was struggling with is you were saying yeah it's a good idea but it's better if you're married and you have god at the center of your relationship and so just to me, when I was hearing you, it was like you were arguing against yourself. And that's why I was getting looking confused puppy dog. Yeah, it was, it was more two sides of a coin. Like, how are you How are you looking? Are you looking at it through a godly perspective or through a worldly perspective? Because, it, like, if, if I'm going to be honest, if I'm looking at it through a worldly perspective, yeah, I can certainly see the benefit, benefits of that. I also can see the almost, not terror, but am I going to wake up and is this, is this person going to be here tomorrow? Right. You know what I mean? Like to live Which under- sadly a lot of married people wake up to every day as well. Well, who true. don't have Christ at the center relationship. A lot of Christian people wake up wondering the same thing mm-hmm. because they don't have the intent to keep each other well, guess, from feeling alone. I guess it goes across the board then, huh? Well, and I would my answer is is twofold. If it's if I'm going to be a pastor and speaking from a godly perspective, to think that and by the way, I'm leaving uh sexual intimacy out of this equation. You know, so I'm saying a, a Christian guy and a Christian girl living together, not having sex before married. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not even addressing that. Right. To think that the, the two become one when they become married, mm-hmm. not when they move in together. Mm-hmm. Right. And that is one of the most crucial components of a marriage is that you are one. You know, we 
we have a problem with, you know, not you have a problem. We, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago that you say to your wife. It's the perspective. Yeah. Right. We have a problem. We've got to overcome. Not I have a problem with you. And it really is. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the, it's the new creation. Well, the new creation hasn't started yet. If you're just cohabitating. Right. Now the secular logic is what you guys have talked about. Not you. Cause you pointed out intent. It's good practice. It's marriage practice. Hey, we're learning it. And I was once, I don't even remember where it was, but a guy said, no, it isn't. It's divorce practice mm. because you move in with somebody and you find, like you said, the things you don't like, all the ugly things. So what do you do? Well, you move out. Right. Okay. And so then, then you move in with the next girl. And the same thing. And then you eventually do yeah, get married. And I guess I'm like, such, I'm so it, stuck on us. It's like talking about emotional needs. I'm like, well, you know, I'm, yeah, who's doing that? Though? That's what I mean. Like if it was that and you like you did it with intention of, you know, working through things, then yeah, that would make more sense. But yeah, no And Brian, you're just gonna say, then you do get married. Right. You've you've moved in and out with three, four times. So again, you've developed patterns and expectations within yourself, and then you find the one and it's just as easy to do that. Right. You've conditioned yourself. When things get rough, somebody moves out. So it, regardless, I don't believe it creates a very good relationship. And in closing, uh, I just want to go over a few of the characteristics of what a very good marriage is, because we looked at statistics, decades, we see all these different impacts of external and sometimes internal factors. But if you have a very good relationship, none of those will affect. And so the, the characteristics of very good relationships is intimacy within each other's lives, not just sexual intimacy. But really knowing, like you said, Chris, in being intentful and having great intention, I should say, of knowing what your spouse is like, what the people. And again, this is the same is true of parents and children, friends. Like we know each other very well. We can giggle all we want. We have a very intimate relationship with one another. Yeah. We know each other's strengths and weaknesses. That's the sign of a very good relationship. If, you, if you're not aware of it and you don't have that, mm-hmm. it's not a very good relationship. Right. And, and this. So, you, but you're specifically saying of a good marriage, um, yeah, good relationships. Okay, yeah, because you know, I we do the the four of us, the our families, we have a really we have really good relationships, and I think that a lot of these characteristics are are there, right? And even if you look at the people that didn't get divorced in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s, and the the Leave It to Beavers and everything else, you know, my, when I would talk to my mother and different of the older generation, they're like, "Honey, we didn't do this." Right. Like we didn't do any of that. We just we just existed. Mm-hmm. Right. You know. Uh, secondly, trials and tribulations bring couples closer together. Right. That's the we again, like yeah. you were saying before. Instead of you brought it up, I think mm-hmm. it was. Uh, you pointed it and out unintentionally, maybe. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's the it's it's not. I have a problem with you, or you have a problem with something out there. It's you know whatever the trial or tribulation is. It you do it together. Uh, all four types of needs are being met physical emo- or emotional relate or spiritual and uh yep the other one intellectual <laughs> yeah so intellectual spiritual emotional and physical and financial no i don't should be physical yeah those are all you know you can't be leaving one of those out there in a very good relationship we're meeting at we're meeting all four needs there is an upward trend of the quality and intimacy of the relationship. I like the upward trend. Sure. Yeah, yeah there's ups and downs. Yeah. But your downs are still better than your downs for 10 years ago. You know, and, and Rachel and mm-hmm. I surviving mm-hmm. the trade days and everything else. It's not like we've had absence of 
of tough times, mm-hmm. but boy, we're handling them a whole lot better now. And yeah. and that goes to the last point. It's an important acknowledgement. I'm sorry. Before it, it, how many times have I said I'm sorry during this episode? Uh, I'm sorry a, about half that. Half as many as your son would have. Awesome. Um, it's an important point to know that it doesn't like literally. You're going to have that jagged line of ups and downs that fit into really every bit of our existence, right? But the trend line is... It's important. A very good relationship trends upward. Right. And lastly. It is not the absence of conflict, but the overcoming of it. Mm. I mean, if I didn't write that myself, I would say it's brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) Because the absence of conflict a lot of times means the avoidance of conflict. My parents never fought. Yeah. Mm. Never fought. Never argued. Mm Mm-hmm. That was not a good relationship, but it's being able to work through them and grow and to meet each other's needs, to learn how to apologize, to grow. That is the key to a good relationship. And that is how we'd like to end episode 202. So please make sure to give us a like or follow on social media. Visit us at lunchtimeinrome.com. While there, take our relational needs questionnaire. Thanks for joining us at the table for Lunchtime in Rome. See you next week. Goodbye. Gotta go get rid of this tick. Bye. Oh. She's gonna hate it when I wanna, you know, when I start to, you know, keep the bees. I used to lay down the mulch. We'll see. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I'd like to think I'm a great pianist. I've never done it. (laughs) I hear the music in my head and I envision you just like sitting up in bed and stretching. Lex was poking me in my face. Oh, God. Shield update. (laughs) Crap, I gotta call somebody back. So there didn't need to be... Keep reading. (laughs) (laughs) It explains. Okay.